Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. What's up, Nittany Lion fans? Welcome back to the Nittany Blues Podcast. We're here to discuss Penn State's headache-inducing 17-7 victory over the Northwestern Wildcats. Vince, from top to bottom, this was just a sloppy, sloppy game. Yeah, it was a sloppy game in sloppy conditions. You could definitely tell that the weather was impacting the game as both teams really struggled to move the ball down the field. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just turnovers rearing their ugly heads. I mean, we touted this team's ability to protect the football all season long, um, you know, just with Clifford's interception against Purdue being the lone blight in what's been a very clean uh, performance thus far this season. And, you know, when all three of your running backs are putting the ball on the ground, that's that's not good. That is not great. We had a uh, member at our communion predict that we would get three different running backs with a touchdown and we had three different running backs with a fumble for a loss. So that was not great. That's like a reverse communion prediction jinx or something like that. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because uh, Andrew's prediction was the only one that came true last week. She, she guessed that Brenton strange was going to have a huge day and he did. So I, Pick your poison, I guess, with Andrea's communion predictions. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but still, you know, Brenton Strange, uh, you know, kind of seems like he was really one of the lone bright spots on offense in this game. You know, he had that nice uh, catch to take it into the end zone. I mean, that play call in general was just really pretty. But that, I feel, might be uh, kind of like the lone uh, bright spot on the offense performance-wise throughout this whole game because the rest of it was just a total slog and I mean this had shades at least to me of Penn State in the past like where they were you know not able to move the ball very well like on first and second down they got into some third and long situations and then even on like third and short situations or even like second and short um, they just weren't able to like get that one yard and it was just uh, very frustrating uh, considering the kind of talent that they have it at running back. And then even if they got the ball, you know, towards the end of this game, you were just worried that they were, they weren't going to be able to hold on to the ball. So yeah, we braved the, braved the rain. It was tough conditions. I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get as many fans there as we normally do. So hopefully uh, if we get another bad weather game, hopefully the, the stands are packed. Cause that was definitely like uncharacteristic. It was just like a little bit of a weird game. Offensively. I thought that the lines actually did really well. I was really impressed with our O-line. All of our running backs averaged four yards of carry, which is great. That's what your offensive line to do, what you what you want your own line to do. And they're kind of just chipping away, slowly moving down the field. And whenever we got something going, uh, there'd be a fumble or a turnover. So most of the time when we've been talking on the podcast, we've been really praising the skill position players and kind of saying how the offensive line has been letting everybody down. And today it was kind of the opposite. The offensive line did enough to get the win and the skills, the skills position players made it so that it was a competitive game. 
Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it seemed like Sean was kept upright for pretty much the entire game. I thought they did really well in protection. Um, you know, one thing that I wanted to kind of ask your opinion on is going into shotgun on like second and one and third and one, because it seems like, you know, Penn State loves to just use that formation uh, to try to try and get those uh, short yardage to move the chain kind of plays. And I'm not too crazy about it sometimes because, you know, you have the running back standing right next to Sean. They snap the ball and then Sean, you know, turns to hand the ball off to whoever it is. But then by the time that the running back gets the ball, you know, sometimes you've got defenders in the backfield and they have to try and dance around to get like those uh those one or one and a half yards like it just kind of seems like putting Sean under center to let the running back get a full head of steam to even do something as basic as jumping over the uh over the line might be more effective than sometimes them having to make something out of nothing like did you feel the same way because I we ran it on like second and one and third and one early in the game got stopped Penn State had to punt and they ran it uh near um the student uh, the student section end zone where Nick just kind of powerhoused his way into the end zone. So that was cool to see, but he was like stopped short. He just manhandled his way to score. But I just like, sometimes I'm like, man, why are we going into shotgun and like sending the ball back a couple of yards when we don't need to, you know? Yeah. I think that is something that you would like to see, whether it's a, a handoff up the gut or Sean Clifford doing a QB sneak. Uh, I don't know if you got the clip I sent you, but it was Jason Kelsey on his podcast, and he said anything other than a QB sneak on fourth and one is stupid. He's like, it converts 92% of the time. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of making fun of the the Chiefs of you know Patrick Mahomes and you know doing whatever play they did. And you know, he said, Oh, like our, our quarterback was nursing an injury, so that might bring up a little speculation about Sean there were definitely some rumors that he was hurt I heard through the grapevine that he had a a sprained MCL which that injury can be anywhere from a few days to eight weeks depending on how serious the the strain is Uh, I thought he looked fine today he looked good but it does make you wonder if there's some sort of injury going on there that they're trying to keep under wraps until the Michigan game I mean, dude, it might have looked different on the field, but I mean, he looked he looked healthy, but he missed a lot of open guys like he had Mitchell Tinsley. You know, he had a step on his uh, defender streaking down the field. And then the very next play, he rolled out to his right and missed uh, Parker Washington in stride, like threw it too far out in front of him. So, I mean, this it kind of looked like a shaky game, at least from my vantage point. He was able to complete the passes that he needed to. I mean, to his credit, I, I said to somebody else that I was texting during the game that he seems to respond really well after he throws an interception. Like he just kind of dials it in again and completes a couple of nice passes to uh, kind of right the ship a little bit. Like he did it in Purdue and he did it here. And, you know, it, it's hard to say. Like I, there are so many things that get murked up by the conditions in this game. It's so hard to really take so many things from this game when if the conditions were perfect, like you have no idea what the end result of this game might've looked like, like, you know, maybe it might've been the same, but there's a good, uh, probably a pretty good chance that it wouldn't be. (laughs) I mean, do you agree? Yeah. Let's just just watching the game and being there today. Like no quarterback could 
hit a pass at all. I think Helensky uh, hit like two passes in the first half. Like it was just abysmal. Like footballs were going into the ground and like into the stands. Like like no one could grip the football today just because it was just a constant rain and really wet. Sean missed a lot of throws, and we've been a defender and of him on the podcast, especially me. He did not have a great game today. Now, thankfully, the the defense stepped up in his absence, but yeah, defense was, was huge. Yeah, they were they were huge today. But the one thing I did like when Northwestern got that touchdown is Sean led a drive down the field right after that. They got a field goal up, and it felt like this whole game. I never had a moment where I thought we might lose. I always felt like we were dominating. It was just we were doing silly things like fumbling the ball and throwing right. interceptions. Yeah. So I, felt I I never had a second in the stands where I'm like, oh, we're not going to get out of this with a W. So like I just felt like that game, like Northwestern was not going to score. And once we had 14 points, I, it was just game over at that point for me. Yeah, I think that's uh, that that was pretty fair to say. You know, I, I felt like the defense, as long as they were playing to the level that they were, you know, we were going to be able to keep them out of uh, out of or keep ourselves out of harm's way. My worry was just that, you know, we were going to cough the ball up again at like the 25 or the 30 yard line. And, you know, we're, it was just going to kind of be a bridge too far for the defense to, you know, stop them one more time. And then all of a sudden it's like 17 to 14 and, you know, like we go like three and out and something like that like I, I would still trust the defense in in that si- scenario but you know when you put them in situation after situation there's only so many times they can hold and I mean we saw it unfortunately uh play out at Iowa last year where offense wasn't doing anything defense was holding strong defense was holding strong then all of a sudden you know they just get one play by them and that just changed the entire game and you know this wasn't the like go ahead winning score like it was at Iowa but that's kind of what happened on that uh 47 yard pass from Holinsky you know the the receiver got behind uh the defense after Abdul Carter kind of got lost a little bit in coverage and uh, slipped on the on the tackle, and then all of a sudden it becomes fourteen uh, seven. You know, uh, but I mean, all all things said, I mean the defense to me they look ready. You know, Franklin talks all the time about championship level defense and how that's going to be a major thing that propels this team. And to me, as as young as this defense is and as deep as this defense is uh, to me, they look like they're ready to kind of perform at that level. And they're going to need that in the the next three games. But the fact that like they were asked time and time again to come up with big stops, with big plays to, to just, you know, basically they made a stop. They gave the ball back to their offense. The offense coughs it back up and they're on the field again, like five minutes later. The fact that they just did that so many times is extremely commendable. Yeah, it really is. And that's something that you love to see when they they have their little banner up with Lockdown U before the game and they're hand, handing out pizzas to the students who are, you know, sleeping in Nittanyville. So I, I thought that was great that they definitely lived up to the hype. I love the swag that they're playing with. I love that they, they, they do the little flap in the arms thing every right, time. Yeah. <laughs> there's an incomplete pass. I love the swag and that they're backing it up. At, it feels like they have a really good balance of being serious, but at the same time having fun and loose. I know when I was an athlete, sometimes I took things like too seriously. And then hindsight, I, I didn't perform as well as I could have because, you know, I was too in my head and overthinking. And when you can just play free 
and you, you, you can just do so much better. Yeah, for sure. And it seems like they all just really trust each other too, especially in the secondary. Like they all know how good they are individually. So they are, they feel confident in like their man, uh, their man coverage to make those pass breakups to just continue to, uh, lay the foundation for solid defensive performances through the air. So I think that, uh, you know, you said it, um, a couple pods ago that they're an elite secondary. And I think you're absolutely right on the money with that. I mean, even if this, uh, even if the conditions were good, I still think that the secondary would have had had themselves a day here. And uh, you know, I, I think that um, other you know pieces of the defense definitely stepped up here as well. I mean, we have to shout out Hakeem Beeman, who uh, I think this might have been his first appearance for Penn State this season. Number fifty-one, in, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was yeah. hopping. He was hopping in. He had that one big drive where he deflected two passes, and he was yeah. flapping his arms. <laughs> the D lineman's <laughs> part of the part of the lockdown. You well, heck, I mean, when he's when he's getting the air that he is and uh, knocking down passes on third and fourth down. I mean, yeah, put him put him with the the DBs on that. that those are some some solid pass breakups. So you know, everybody was getting involved in that. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I feel like, you know, we want to talk about specific plays and specific moments, but there's just so few to pick out of such a sloppy, ugly game that we just have to talk about like themes and trends. You know what I mean? Yeah. And th- this game didn't really give me a negative perception of the team. For example, I, I was more disappointed after the Central Michigan game than I was after this game in Central Michigan. I was really hoping the offensive line would be able to bully some people and being a Mac opponent, I, I was hoping they would, you know, assert their dominance with this game, the weather, you could just tell no one was able to move the ball and it was really tough to hold on to the ball. I think this will long-term be a good experience for those two freshmen running back, uh, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. I think it's a really good learning experience for them. And I, I, I think they're in good shape heading into Michigan. I feel really good about the team and where they're at. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, we, uh, uh, people in college football talk all the time about like those quote unquote freshman moments, like, you know, where they just kind of slip up and they just do something that even though they're extremely talented, is just something that, uh, you might expect a rookie to do. And both of them put it on the ground. So, you know, we could chalk that off as, uh, their, their freshman moments. Um, you know, I agree. It's a, it's a good learning experience. You know, ball security is obviously going to be key against these, uh, marquee big 10 opponents. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with you in that, you know, there's not really much to take from this game, like either positive or negatively, like the best way to like kind of sum it up is that a football game was played. Penn state won said football game. Penn state is now five and oh, and now Penn state is on a bye. <laughs> uh, so I think the, you know, um, Franklin though, I mean, you might not have been able to see it in the stadium though. He was livid about those turnovers. I mean, they, they went to him after each each time the running backs put it on the ground. And I mean, he was losing it. So I think that ball security is going to be preached in practice uh, over these next like 10 days or so of practice uh, now that we're into the bye week, which I'm, I am grateful for because uh, you know, we're in the big 10, like those conditions are, this is probably not going to be the last time that we're going to see wet conditions this, uh, this season. So we need to make sure that our running backs are holding on to the ball. And, um, you know, much like with everything else that Nick Singleton and Catron Allen has come up against so far, I think that learning curve is going to be very, uh, very short 
you know, they're going to learn to protect the ball and, uh, you know, just make sure that they're doing the right things. And what was funny is that, you know, as I was watching the game and thinking about what we were going to talk about during this podcast, I was going to make a quip that like, oh, like Catron Allen is like Mr. Reliable. You know, he's going to get you like those like four yards <laughs> of carry, like he's going to move the chains on like those that third and two or whatever. And he's like, he's the only running back who like didn't put the ball on the ground. And like no sooner after I thought that thought in my head did he put it on the ground. And I'm like, well, there it goes. May as well put Nick back in because everybody's fumbling. So what does it matter? And that's exactly what they did. Like the next drive, like Nick was back and I'm like, yeah, even the coaches are like, eh, well, screw it. Like, <laughs> I mean, just go top of the rotation, I guess. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. He he was out the whole first half and then he came in and he was doing okay. The I don't think the offensive line played as well in the second half as they did in the first half. In the first half, there was just holes everywhere for the running backs to run into. And they were able to, you know, get some good, good chunk plays. But yeah, these these turnovers are killer. I'm very grateful that we had this learning experience against Northwestern and not in the big house against a big opponent or the whiteout or Ohio State. I'm just happy that we I'm hoping we get all of the bad juju out now. And when we do encounter those conditions, we'll we'll know what to do and stay calm and you know. Clean, clean up the things that need to be cleaned up. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think, you know, it's, it's a mark of a good team when you're able to, uh, win these slogs of games and, you know, play defense to a level where you were keeping the opponent at arm's length for pretty much the entire contest. So, you know, that I think is the kind of the silver lining takeaway from this, but on the topic of running backs, though, I wanted to bring this up. I'm not sure if you saw this, but James Franklin announced after the game that Devin Ford is no longer with the football program, that he has decided to focus solely on academics. So, Vince, did you see that news? I did not. I, I was actually talking with Andrea during the game, and she was like, oh, we, we, they might as well put Devin Ford in because he's the only one that hasn't fumbled. And I guess he's not with the team. That's news to me. Uh, yeah. yeah, really, really weird because there was one or two weeks ago, an article about him finishing what he started. So definitely a real shocker to have this happen at this point in the season. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's hard to say like what all the circumstances surrounding that are. I mean, hopefully there's not, you know, some negative circumstances surrounding his departure, uh, you know, whether that be like personal or family reasons or whatever. But uh, regardless of the reason, you know, Devin, thank you for your service to Penn State football. Uh, you had some really solid performances, uh, was part of a really talented running back group. So, you know, thank you. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best. Uh, but yeah, Vince, I didn't know if you had seen that. So figured I'd throw you the curveball here. Yeah, we were all wondering in the stands where he was. And now we know. Yeah. <laughs> you only get this stuff on the Nittany Blues podcast. That's right. We we are breaking news. And yeah, I mean, it, we even had that moment, Vince, you had said about um, you, you sent me that text about how Onward State covered uh, the Penn Stater who won the uh, what was it? The Ironman or the uh, triathlon? He, he, yeah, he won triathlon triathlon nationals. And I was like, oh, you guys covered this like three months after it happened. <laughs> like we covered that like, you know, two months ago. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're on the ball here. You know, we, we're, we have our thumb on the pulse, which is, uh, I think a good thing for a Penn state fan podcast. Don't you? I, I think it is. And speaking of triathlon, did you hear that there's going to be a half Ironman in happy Valley this coming summer? 
Yeah, yeah, I uh, I did see that. Um, well, first because you texted me about that, and then uh, what's funny is later in the day, my dad texted me and said, "Does Vince know about this?" And I'm like, "Yes, he does. <laughs> he he texted me. He posted about it. Like he's he's aware." Oh, I've been scheming about this for almost a year. Like in December, people came up to the Nittany Valley Half Marathon. And people told me, oh, Iron Man's here. They're looking to do a race here. I'm like, oh, no way it happens. And, you know, Happy Valley is an awesome place. We have a really great endurance sports community. And we everyone's so pumped up that we have this Iron Man, half Iron Man coming to town. Sweet. Where will you do the uh, the swimming portion of the competition? The swim will be at Bald Eagle State Park. And then it said it goes through Center and Clinton County. So I'm guessing we'll bike over from there towards Mill Hall, which is close to Lockhaven University. And then I think we'll come back through Madisonburg because I think there's a climb there. And then we'll take 192 back, which is usually it's like 90% of a time a headwind. So it's going to be like annoying because like when you're tired, you're just going to be like biking through the headwind. And then I think the run will be around campus, around that area, potentially the golf course too. Nice. So, well, we'll see that you can sign up for this race on Wednesday and Ironman will have the course maps up there when you sign up. So be able to check it out and have some better details for everyone. And for the record, uh, I will not be participating. Uh, Vince will be. So we'll be relying on him to provide all the breakdown of the course and his results and, uh, you know, all the all the fun uh, all the fun facts about that competition because yeah, long distance and me do not mix very well. They do have a uh, pickleball tournament this weekend at my local Y. Oh, nice. Okay. Weekend. So Sweet. I'm not going to be here, but yeah, if you want to do pickleball, state college is <laughs> having a big tournament. Yeah, I can, uh, I can test out my, my budding, uh, pickleball game after years of tennis and trying to navigate my way through, through the new game. So maybe, maybe I'll check it out. So, uh, circling back, you know, to our, our topic of discussion, um, we do, or rather we should award some players of the game for this contest as, uh, as challenging as it may be to kind of highlight individual performances, given how just muck of a game this was, but Vince, who do you got as your finale fighter for this week? Uh, my finale fighter. Uh, I got five. The, oh, right. The big, okay. guy, the big guys up front. We've, we've been knocking them and I felt that they were the big reason we, we won this game outside of the defense. So I'm going to give it to the offensive line. I thought they did a great job to put the offense in position to do things. It's just fumbles and interceptions were happening and it was not their fault. So I think we, you know, got to tip our caps to them for doing a good job today, especially in tough conditions like that. Because when you have those bad weather games, typically it makes it harder to, you know, throw the ball and, you know, for the speed guys to get open, it's more of a, you know, a grind and they grind today and help Penn state get to, to the W. So they get my Fidali fighter award. Good stuff. Uh, so the one guy that I wanted to highlight is on defense. And, you know, specifically, I wanted to look for somebody who was impactful in the turnover game because I felt that was a huge reason why Penn State was able to just kind of keep this game out of reach for Northwestern uh, for you know, 95 plus percent of this game. So the player who wins the bird brawler for me for this week is a guy that we haven't really talked about very much on this pod. And that is senior defensive end, Nick Tarburton. 
And the reason I want to highlight him is because he's credited with recovering two fumbles. So two out of, I think it was like what? Um, like three total turnovers that Penn State got in this game. So, you know, made a big impact. Um, you know, we talked a lot about how Penn State responded uh, defensively from turnovers from their offense with turnovers to give the back, the ball back to their offense. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, highlighting a guy who was really a linchpin in that whole process uh, is really important. And he also recorded a sack. So, you know, all in all, you know, really was an impact player here. Um, I think the defense overall played really solid. I'm, uh, I'm really happy with, um, some of the, the linebacker play, especially, I mean, I think Abdul Carter is going to be a really good linebacker for Penn State. I think Jalen Reed is going to be a really good safety. Got to cut back on uh, some of these dumb offsides penalties, but as long as they, you know, play clean and, you know, keep their heads on and stuff like that, I think championship level defense is within their grasp. Uh, just got to keep, keep that momentum rolling. So Vince, uh, you know, I, I think we've kind of turned the page here on Northwestern. Um, should we talk about other football that we've seen or is currently happening right now? Yeah, but first, I do want to say one thing about the defense. It okay. seems like they are getting better every single week, which yep. is awesome. Like you, Agreed. You can see noticeable improvement from week one where they gave up 31 points against Purdue. And this game, we... We lost the turnover battle by two. They got three turnovers. And they they limited them to seven points at, off of five Penn State turnovers. Like, if I were to tell you before the game that Penn State would cough it up five times and Northwestern would score only seven points, would you believe me? No, certainly not. And I think this really has to do with the heavy rotation that they've used all season long. Because you had... Um, like Abdul Carter and Jalen Reed out there during the first defensive drive, I think it was. Um, so, you know, they're using these guys, uh, you know, back in the beginning of the season, they were kind of using them in the second quarter and in, and beyond kind of part of a regular rotation. Like these guys are seeing meaningful snaps like right away. And I think that speaks to just how quickly they've developed. Uh, I think that's a credit to Manny Diaz for his scheme and being able to utilize those guys in effective ways. I mean, uh, like Abdul Carter especially just seems like a game wrecker. You know, he's gonna he's good at like, you know, rushing the quarterback. He uh, he, you know, seems like he needs to pick up a thing or two in coverage. But I think he's athletic enough that he'll kind of pick those things up. But all in all, he has a nose for the ball, as they say, Uh, so I'm uh, I'm in agreement with you. Like this defense looks better week after week, which I think is perfect going into a game against uh, Michigan, who even though they won against Iowa, they don't look invincible. Yeah, I think Michigan is in within arm's reach. I think we're going to be competitive with them and that should be a really great matchup. I'm excited to see. And they were just good players everywhere. I thought Jalen Reed really stood out today. P.J. Mustafer had eight tackles. Jair Brown had a really nice interception. I thought about making him the finale fighter. Like, just guys everywhere. So it's a grocery list of guys, and there's so many great players. And injuries are going to happen, like, at some point or another. So to, to know that we have guys that can step up and fill that role is really comforting going to this tough stretch of games where injuries will happen. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to do the ranked teams first or the Big Ten? Uh, let's do ranked. All right, we'll do ranked. So we'll come back to Georgia. Currently, Georgia is up 25 to 22 
and they have the ball. They just scored a touchdown, so they'll be, they'll be kicking off. So we'll see if Missouri is able to capitalize and take take the lead back before time's up. Uh, Clemson looks like they're going to win. They're up 23-13 to 13 over NC State. So our Nittany Lions could be moving up into the top 10. Pitt is losing 9-7 to seven at home versus Georgia Tech. So maybe the rain is getting to their offense as well. Just a weird weekend of college football. Yeah, crazy weekend. Uh, Texas A&M was upset at Mississippi State. They lost 42-24. to Alabama took care of business against Arkansas on the road, 49-26. However, Bryce Young had to exit that game. Oh, he did with an injury. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so apparently he has an AC sprain, which Saban kind of said that it doesn't look like it's very serious, like he's kind of dealt with that issue before. Um, however, their their backup did come in and, you know, in like Alabama fashion, of course, the backup is awesome. And then they just proceeded to run all over Arkansas anyway. <laughs> uh, but, you know, definitely like when the reigning Heisman winner goes out with a, an injury, that's uh, still noteworthy. Yeah, that'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. Uh, Wake Forest had a nice road win to give Florida State their first loss of the season, 31-21. to o- Oklahoma State beat number 16-ranked Baylor, 36-25. to Utah is looking like a good team in the Pac-12. They gave a thump into Oregon State, 42-16. to Oklahoma lost on the road to TCU. They got annihilated, 55-24. to uh, my, my friend, Sam and TJ, they're going to be happy. They're Kansas state wildcats, uh, beat Texas tech at home 37 to 28. And then Will Levis was handed his first loss of the season. Ole Miss beat Kentucky 22 to 19 at home. That was a very entertaining game. And Kentucky kind of looked like us a little bit where they had some problems on special teams. Yeah. Did, did you watch the end of that game? I did not catch the very end because that's when we were going up to the stadium, but that was, that was crazy. They had like, I think two missed extra points and a missed field goal. So that was not a good look. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, some, some social team or yeah, social, some special teams, uh, miscues, but just the way that it ended though, cause, um, like basically what happened was, so will fumbled the ball in, uh, in plus territory, um, Ole Miss got the ball back. Uh, the Kentucky defense held them to a three and out. And then, so Kentucky had the ball back with uh, under two minutes to play. They marched down the field. Like Will actually has like a really nice play to get it down to, or I forget who it was. I think it was like a, like a catch and run uh, to get them like inside the 10. And then in an effort to try and catch the Ole Miss defense flat-footed, they snapped the ball really quickly, and the play actually ended up being caught in the in the end zone, like uh, to presumably score. However, they weren't set on offense, so Will actually snapped the ball too quickly before they all got set, and so they got the penalty. They went back, and the very next play, Will got uh, strip sacked and uh lost the fumble to lose that game like it was just such a like a roller coaster because it was like like kentucky scoring like to potentially get the go-ahead touchdown or the go-ahead score they fumble all right they stop them like you know uh like 
three and out. All right. So now they get the ball back and now it's like another chance. Oh crap. Like they're like knocking on the door at the five and then, oh man, they just scored. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, well they lost. Like it's just such a, just a quick sequence of crazy things. So yeah, that was madness. Uh, speaking of Will Levis, one of my communion predictions. So around two o'clock, he only had like 68 pass yards or something. So at two o'clock, my communion prediction was that Sean Clifford would throw for twice as many passing yards as Will Levis. And like half an hour after I said that, it's the, the downpour of rain just started coming. And I was like, well, maybe I'll be wrong. <laughs> Maybe uh, in the fine print of the communion prediction, you should put like uh, uh, like dependent on weather or something like that. <laughs> weather dependent. But man, the tailgating scene was awesome today. The chili that they talked about is it was, it was like wine. They had a, a red chili and a white chili. They had some queso. Uh, your dad made funnel cakes. Funnel cakes. They're pretty good. Uh, so it was a great scene. And we got a huge group for communion. So. If you can find the Nittany Blues tailgate, you should go there. We had at least 50 people at our communion, and we didn't think we were going to get a lot of people for the last communion at 3 o'clock because it, you know, that, it was raining, and we thought people would just stay in their own areas. We rang that bell, and people literally carried up the four legs of their tent and carried their tent instead of by our tent just to do communion with us. Like That's it was amazing. so much fun, and... It was so loud and we were very rowdy today and it, it was, it was, it was the best, probably the best tailgate we've had in a long time, like long time. Like I can't think of any that were better. That was just so awesome having that many people there and Fred and Andrea and your dad and mom did a great, great job set, setting it up and making it an awesome atmosphere. Cool. That's uh, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I missed it. Yeah. Hey, we, we got the next two. We got the white out in a few weeks and then, Ohio State as the big one exciting as always. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So we'll, we'll finish up our, our ranked teams here. So unfortunately my girlfriend's Huskies lost. Uh, they lost to undefeated UCLA, which is going to be a big 10 member soon. They lost on the road 40 to 32. Did you catch the hurdle from that quarterback at UCLA? S- Yep, uh, that was that was uh, Saquon esque man. He got some air on that one. He was so high. That was I must have like I saw the picture. And I was like, wow, that must be like at least six inches higher than Saquon got. Like that was incredible. And Brenton Strange when he got his touchdown, he did this like jump spin thing like into the end zone. So yeah, I guess he's listening to us because he's not trying to hurdle six foot men anymore so maybe he's listening to us and still getting touchdowns and hopefully staying healthy and avoiding injuries yeah and if you are listening brenton uh tell your friends to like and subscribe absolutely and then our thursday night asinine matchup was uh byu at utah state byu won 38 to 26 and andrew did you see the cougar i did not Dude, this was absolutely insane. So their mascot, what they did is they had two rows of folding tables and they were stacked three high. And what the mascot was doing is he would do like a plyometric push up. So he just pushed up and then went up to like the next row of two folding tables, which how, how tall is a folding table? Like two feet? 
Yeah, so at least. He did like a push up and then pushed himself two more feet in the air, got on the next table, did it again, got on the top, and then did a backflip off of one of the tables. Wow. Like, That's I insane. think. Uh, uh, I think the Nittany Lion is going to have some competition for best mascot this year. Or at least like the most athletic one. That's insane. Yeah, I'm like, wow, like, why is this guy not on the football field or doing gymnastics or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that, that rounds up our ranked teams. We do still have USC. They have a, a late game tonight, so probably won't get that one in. Pitt is now losing 12 to 7. Versus Georgia Tech in the fourth quarter. There's 12:40 left there. Clemson's still up 10 on NC State, and Georgia has the ball. They're up 26 to 22 with 3:39. So Missouri must have turned the ball over here, which is unfortunate. Like how how awesome of a storyline would that be to have Georgia lose to Missouri of all teams? It would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Like the college football cl- playoff committee would just like spontaneously combust or something like right, it's- like all their heads would just explode. <laughs> like uh, like one of the teams that they just wrote in like Sharpie in one of the spots would all of a sudden be a little bit blurred. But yeah, I mean, it kind of looks like Georgia's uh, probably going to survive this and uh, continue their their undefeated record. Yeah, so. We'll move on to our Big Ten roundtable today. Michigan had a nice road win at Iowa and Kinnick 27 to 14. It was a noon game, so you know, didn't get the scary Kinnick night night experience. So, right. Which uh, who, uh fun little fun thing about that. So I, I know I sent you the the infographic of Iowa being like last in the Big Ten in almost every offensive category. Um, so apparently I saw on Twitter that some of the boo birds were out for the Iowa offense in Kinnick stadium. So kind of sounds like the fans are a little restless about, uh, Kirk Ferentz's son leading the, the charge on the offense. So maybe, I mean, we'll, we'll see how strong family bonds are. And, uh, if, you know, Kirk decides to go in a different direction to lead his, uh, his Hawkeye offense. Speaking of booze, there were some booze at Beaver Stadium today. Uh, they were not happy with the play calls, but I, I thought it was fine. Like they were running the ball because it was wet and difficult to throw. And the other team was doing it too. Like, like what do you want them yeah. to do? They just have to not fumble. And then there were a lot of we want a large chance. And oh man, it's just like some of these fans just. Don't get it. Like it's it's eleven guys out there, and Sean did not have his great day today. But he he's the guy. Yeah, I mean it's uh, yeah as as much as you want to you know test out the uh, you know the new toy as it were. Like Sean has not done enough. Like he's not even in the like the the ballpark of doing enough to lose his job yet. I mean, we like we have to be we have to talk about, you know, like multi interception games stacked on top of each other before we're talking about Drew Aller starting for Penn State. Like that's really I mean, we're halfway we're basically halfway through the season now. Like Sean is going to be starting the rest of this season. Like that's where we're at. Yeah, he he's the guy. And I mean, if that's your opinion. That's fine. It's it's sports. That's what makes it fun. You can have your opinions and think who's better and what Penn State should do. That's part of the fun part of doing this podcast is 
know, broadcasting our opinions. So, you know, if that's your opinion, great. But uh, we, we, we respectfully disagree. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, just be patient. Like you've got one, one half of a season left to enjoy. So just enjoy that to its fullest. Uh, we'll see where we end up at the end of the season and we get an off season to hear all the speculation. And then in 2023, you're going to get your entire, your wish in full, because if the script plays out, like it's kind of supposed to Drew Aller is going to start, you're going to have Nick Singleton and Catron Allen along with him. You've got some young wide receivers who have shown some good promise in here. So you're going to get your wish in full and you'll either be extremely validated in which case, you know, that's great. We hope that you are because that means that Penn state is, uh, on fire. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, I mean, it's like at this point, I mean, you, you can pound the drum all you want, but, uh, yeah, Sean is Sean is James Franklin's guy. Yeah. Excellent. And one of our games that got changed in the off season was Illinois. We were originally supposed to host Illinois at Beaver stadium and they're off to a hot start. They're three and one and they whooped Wisconsin in Madison. Yeah. 34 to 34 to 10. And I don't think in the third quarter, there are many Badger fans jumping around. Yeah, yeah, probably not. I mean, maybe maybe <laughs> jumping around to like find the nearest exit, but oh man, like <laughs> I, I mean, they they ran all over them. I didn't see the the stats like the full box score of the game, but like I I I saw it. Like Chase Brown is just you know having a great season. He uh, I think had over like 120 rushing yards uh, in that one. I mean, they're just like I mean Brett Bielema. Like say what you will about like him and his time at his various coaching stops. But I mean, he's really turned Illinois around. Yeah. And they, they could potentially be a team that we see in the big 10 West championship because Minnesota lost at home versus Purdue today, 20 to 10. Andrew, what are your thoughts on that with Minnesota coming in for the whiteout in about a month? All I have to say is that until that whiteout game, Penn State has won the transitive property football battle of games against <laughs> uh, Purdue because the fact that you lost at home to a Purdue team that Penn State beat on the road in a weird Thursday night game season opener in a like a blackout atmosphere like the chips are stacked in Penn State's favor in that case. And I mean, granted, I mean, we're we're just joking here. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like teams are different week to week and it's, you know, it's it, it's just all funny games. However, I think that there's something interesting to take away from this game, and that is um, turnovers. Minnesota turned the ball over a handful of times in this game where they haven't really done that in the first portion of the season. And it seemed like Purdue really capitalized on that with, with points. So I think for Penn state, when Minnesota comes to town, they really have to look to, you know, capitalize on those turnover opportunities, which we've seen that they've been able to do. Um, you know, the secondary is, uh, opportunistic in that case. And, you know, we're, we're getting some decent pressure on the quarterback, uh, maybe a strip sack here or whatever, but if we're able to get the ball from Tanner Morgan's hands or from the Minnesota offense's hands, like we could see like, a like almost control of the game. At least that's what it kind of, uh, like what the numbers spoke to me. Yeah. Hopefully lockdown you continues to be lockdown you like that's. If we could do that, that would be awesome right before Ohio State. That would give the team some, you know, rejuvenated energy, 
era energy if we can get a big win on the road in the big house and then win in the whiteout and then that just makes you feel so good that have the confidence that you can beat in Ohio State and something that gave me some confidence for Minnesota was that early in the season we kind of compared Penn State and Purdue we kind of said oh they have the similar strengths to us and similar weaknesses so the fact that we beat a team that's kind of similar to us and to see how they match up well against Minnesota and they were able to perform really well. It gives me optimism that not only are we not doing that in Minnesota, but it's in Beaver stadium in a night game in a whiteout. So right. that gives me a lot more confidence heading into that game than I was say a week ago. Right. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And moving up, Maryland's still looking legit. They're undefeated. They beat Michigan State 27 to 13. Um, It's looking like the Spartans are going downhill really fast since that Washington game. Yep. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Maryland is four and one. I made a mistake there. So they lost to Michigan last week. Right. Forgot about that. All right. Uh, And then our penultimate one on the roundup here was Ohio State and Rutgers. And. Pretty much exactly what we expected, 49 to 10. I yep. think the spread was like, I think the spread might have been, it was 38 or 39. So the spread was like dead on today. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, just like your your annual Buckeye romp of insert Big Ten East team here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, right now, currently, as we're spe- recording, Nebraska is up two touchdowns, 35 to 21 versus Indiana. There's about seven minutes left in the game and Nebraska has the ball. So barring disaster, which Nebraska has experienced a lot of, they'll get out of here with a win over Indiana. Oh man, Indiana, you can't be the first Big Ten team to to lose to Nebraska. You just can't. (laughs) As long as it's not us, I don't care. I guess that's true. (laughs) Yeah, so lots of good college football out there. Looks like George is going to hold on. They only have one minute left. So the dogs are continuing to do dog-like things. Yeah, just uh, scrapping and fighting, you know? And Pitt is losing versus Georgia Tech 19-7. to So it's looking like the Pitt Panthers are going to experience another loss. What a shame. <laughs> yeah, man, knock on wood. I mean, there's, uh, let's see here. There's uh, about nine and a half minutes left. So we'll we'll see how this shakes out. But, uh, you know, uh, I agree with you. What a shame. Yeah, plenty of time. I bet you if they lose, Pat Narduzzi will like blame the weather or something. He'll be like, it was too rainy to play football. We shouldn't have played today or something like that. Some ridiculous excuse. He always has something up his sleeve. Always something to complain about. Good stuff. You got anything else, Vince? Um, not much. Uh, there is a big event going on in a couple weeks in Happy Valley. We have the Tussie mountain back race, which is a 50 mile trail run that I am partaking in, in a relay. Nice. So how, uh, how far do you have to run as part of a, a relay of like a, like a 50 mile course? So there's going to be four of us and the, I think there's 12 different legs. So each of us run three legs and the distances are all different and stuff. But my leg I think is 14.2 miles total. So I'll be running like four or five miles, three different times. And it'll be, be a fun race, you know, with my girlfriend and a couple other friends. So it'll be a nice. good time. Some light work for you. 
Yeah, we uh we unofficially changed our team name. We were trying to like think of a, a team name, and I was like, oh, we should be like the Chad Powers Run-ons. Eventually, <laughs> we eventually we we settled on Quads of Fury, and then this morning before I went to the game, my girlfriend pulled out her uh, Think Fast Run Fast shirt, and she's like, oh, this should have been our team name. And I'm like, yeah, it was so simple. Like we should have just picked that, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's all right. So yeah. unoff- unofficially, our, our team name is Think Fast, Run Fast. Cool. I like it. Uh, so uh, so that that's exciting. Um, uh, so, something exciting going on on my end is uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see the see our beloved Eagles tomorrow take on Doug Peterson and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, that's gonna be exciting, man! Wish I was there. Go Birds! <laughs> Go Birds! Are you gonna cheer, Doug, or Boo? Oh, totally cheer! I mean, like. <laughs> Like Philly, it's like we have we have we have lots of reasons to boo like players, coaches, and a lot of other people, but Doug Peterson is not one of them. Like the guy brought us home the the first Super Bowl, like just give him his dues, give him a cheer, and then boo the crap out of him the rest of the game. <laughs> I agree that that's a good way to handle it. Uh, he's an awesome guy. Gave us our first Super Bowl. And let's be honest, he didn't like quit on the team or anything. He just got fired. Like he had no control over that. It wasn't like a Carson Wentz where he was benched and then just immediately got asked to ask for a trade instead of fighting back to try to earn his job back. Right. <laughs> so we'll we'll see how, or, how things or, shake out. Or a Ben Simmons situation where you just fake injuries and refuse to play. <laughs> Oh man, there's, I mean, he is one of one, like there, there is no other scenario or situation or person like Ben Simmons. Yeah. I'm glad he's out of Philadelphia and out of this whole state of Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us how you really feel Vince, but uh, good stuff, man. Um, I don't have anything else. If, uh, if you don't. No, I'm all set. If you would like to support the pod, please tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoy the pod, please leave a five-star review so that other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us. Interested in new episodes? You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening, and we want to remind you that we are... The Nittany Blues Podcast. See you next time.